Welcome to episode 31 of the Big Dogs Podcast. This episode is brought to you by True Coach. Uh, for all individuals that are out there, um, they understand the importance of communication between a coach and a client, and there's really only one place uh, you should do it, and that's through True Coach. Um, so search them out and see exactly uh, how beneficial they are to the entire uh, fitness movement. Um, sort of an AMA, but also a little reminder on concurrent training. I had a uh, back and forth, uh, great email uh, from uh, a listener, and uh, they were asking questions related to endurance and what kind of strength uh, one should do. And so I thought I would uh, explain some of the thought process around that, and hopefully that individual as well as others can come to some conclusions as to how you mix that crazy combination of things. Um, first thing out of the gate is you should think about is that they really are uh, two different systems, uh, whether you like it or not. And the higher the intensity goes on either side of the system, i.e. strength or endurance, then um, the more it pulls away from the opportunity to raise the characteristics of each of those. So that's where you should get your you know, head in place. Second, secondly, uh, you have to remember that movements and muscles and contractions matter, uh, meaning that when you're looking at you know, back squatting to long distance running, those are two somewhat similar actions around the knee. Um, but when you're looking at ski erg versus long distance running, um, those are different contractions. So you need to think about that. Third, you need to think about expression. That training age and biological and chronological age largely dictates how someone's going to express either end of the spectrum, both strength or endurance. So 11-year-old expresses strength and endurance differently than a 45-year-old who's been beat up in CrossFit for seven years and now wants to run for a marathon. I just use that as an example to uh, pigeonhole some of the um, complications around trying to make someone enduring when they've done a lot of intense activity around specific joints. And, uh, and to give the example of running just kind of makes sense. But the larger question was around how do you incorporate strength training recovery and diet to support an athlete who is going to do 80% aerobic work, 20% of some form of anaerobic work. I'd assume that means kind of strength. Um, would it be seasonal, et cetera? And the answer really for it, and um, the listener gave me kind of a concept of running or triathlon. I'll make it general for endurance. And then um, if that doesn't answer the question, then we can get specific because biathlon versus triathlon versus kayaking versus running versus cycling, those are all different and they all have different systems of strength that supports each of those as an endurance element. Therefore, um, I'm just going to be very generalist on it and I'll talk, I'll talk systemic. It'll sound very generalized and I'll sound like I'm talking in platitudes and working around different areas, but, um, I have to do that and hopefully principles can be drawn from it. Um, so the way that you incorporate strength training, um, around endurance activity, the way that, you know, you should go about it, whether as an athlete or a coach to understand it is that, you have to have some kind of priority um, and the priority you have to stick to. So you got to stay with the goal. And if the goal is to do something and to improve it, then you got to do whatever it's necessary to improve the goal. That's the essential answer to how does strength and endurance mix is what's the goal? Well, my goal is to refine and improve my endurance. Okay. Well, if that's the goal, whatever you do, including taking a shit, eating spinach, um, going for, um, you know, a workout, at the local Orange Theory, all of that has to support you getting better and practicing endurance. Why? Because you picked endurance. 
if you pick 50-50, where you're like, I want to deadlift 500 and run a mile or two miles in uh, under eight minutes, <laughs> um, two miles under 10 minutes, okay? So you want to you deadlift 500 pounds and run two miles under 10 minutes, then now, which I think would be, um, let's, let's call it um, this, three times body weight, deadlift and run two miles under 10 minutes. That would be kind of impressive. That's far more impressive than previous previous ones, I would, I would say. That's probably another top for another time. But um, you, there, there's a, it's a completely different program for that because you're basically going after each one. Now, because you said 80% aerobic and you're looking at it in, in forms of like, how does it, how does strength, you know, work with endurance? I would say, again, to just to finish that before I get to some of your questions specifically, which will highlight um, uh, better answers. You got to do whatever it takes that makes you practice the improvement of efficiency of said endurance. Okay, so you know, um, and that's a dynamic system. So let's say that you do trap bar deadlift and push-ups and ring rows and some stall bar knee to elbows, and that's that's your four movements, okay, for resistance. And you do that twice a week, and over the next uh, four weeks, your endurance mechanics, recovery, ground contact time, posture, uh, long distance run, rate of perceived exertion, etc. all improve, then you keep doing that resistance. And that, that's just an example to say the same thing. Like if you do step ups and you do bench press and you do step up focus on one day, bench press focus on the next day, pull up focus on a third day, and over four weeks that person still improves in all the endurance efficiency, then you keep doing that resistance. So it takes a little tweaking to figure out exactly what kind of resistance you're going to have to do. Um, but if you take those principles that I had in mind that uh, expression matters, muscles matter, um, and what was my first point? Um, oh, yeah, that the, when the intensity is at the highest of each one, um, they're going to work against one another. If you recognize those principles, you should be good to go. Further questions that you had is what type of strength programming provides further aerobic efficiency. Um, that's largely due to uh, the mechanical nature and the style and the kind of muscles that you're really using in the strength training. So, for example, you know, if someone's looking to improve uh, a generalistic term of efficiency of stride and running, then it probably would be important that they improve posture and that they improve the efficiency of ground contact. Right, So you want to train things in resistance and strength that improves postural endurance and ground contact time. And there's a number of things that would do that, but I would argue that it's the mobility of the hip and it's the uh, low back stability that will, that will create an improvement in that. Which is why, arguably, um, a trap bar deadlift, a classic deadlift, sumo deadlift, or you know dumbbell deadlifts, single leg deadlifts, any of those kind of activities would, I would believe, to be some form of really higher order transfer to endurance activities for running. And I gave you that example of the kind of mechanics I used and the sport so that then you could qualify like what would be important for other sports. Okay. So as an example, as reductionist as it is, um, maybe some force development like trap bar kind of uh, activity, trap bar deadlift activity, and maybe weighted pull-ups. And maybe a hang power snatch would be great for a swimmer, right? For multiple different reasons outside of that point. But I just want you to tie in like, now why are those movements appropriate for that? Because it's probably, probably in big picture, 
going to improve the efficiency of the endurance aspect, right? Now, you, you then want to say, well, what's, what's out of the boat in regards to your question of what strength provides further aerobic efficiency? Um, any resistance that's going to get you into a glycolytic endeavor, because then it's going to impact recovery, metabolism, and the, the, you know, the ability for you to be as aerobic as you can, because essentially to be aerobically efficient, you want to be sustainable as much as possible. You also want to become more aerobic. That means your brain does have to do a switch, which is why we do so much work on aerobic training. It pulls us away from going redline, which essentially makes someone more efficient aerobically. Um, but you could see that the, oh, sorry, going to the other side of it, what would be not good for a runner to become more aerobically efficiently? Um, I would say deep knee flexion squats under a higher eccentric load, right? I would say, um, you know, high amounts of calf raises or eccentric components on the calves and Achilles tendon and fatigue around there. Um, and you could find some other ones, but I'm just picking two, but you could see that does that mean you don't do any single leg or knee flexion or squatting activities for a runner? No, that's possibly okay, but you got to say what's the return on investment for how I'm going to make myself as aerobically efficient as possible, and how I'm going to do that is really through better ground contact time. Um, to be very reductionist, you may just want to lose weight and practice the skill of running a whole lot better, um, but to, to, to say like what kind of strength you should do in that, what you should do is probably a trap bar deadlift um, some core activity and some upper body maintenance, right? Why? Because again, the, for the running example, it's not going to be imparting on your aerobic efficiency. Whereas a shit ton of lunges or a bunch of thrusters and dynamic pull-ups and running around the building, um, for someone who's out of shape and is and is in a detox detox state, um, sure that'll make them a better runner. It'll take their mile time from 14 minutes to 12 minutes. <laughs> but that doesn't make them more aerobically efficient in terms of the context of how we're discussing it. Okay. Uh, another question is, when would an athlete or coach decide when to take some time and energy away from the actual sport to focus on strength? Um, if the sport is endurance, there's actually no time where you would want to pull away from the sport because, um, remember, aerobic in exercise and aerobic endurance is a memory um, you certainly could move away from the sport entirely, but you want to maintain the skill. And you're probably still going to have to maintain the skill. And the, the, But the biggest issue around that is that if you're pulling away because it's intense, then it's really not aerobic. That's a, something that you could think about hard, right? So uh, the world, you know, I shouldn't say the world record, but the fastest marathon time was just run. Um, he's probably going to run a couple of days later or maybe two days later. You know, so not using the unicorns as the example, but but they are a, a you know a blessing, right, in disguise for what we could use as as markers. Maybe just to someone who does a really great three mile, it doesn't mean they can't run a couple of days later on their off days, or it doesn't mean they can't run every second day, even though they take you know let's call it five weeks away from intense race pace or tempo style running, if that makes sense. So. Um, I don't think there needs to be time dedicated because if there's time dedicated for strength training, that means that the strength training you're doing is probably too intensive to mix with how it's helping the characteristics of the endurance activity. Okay. Um, the next sex race question, which is an awesome one, it could be a lot longer. I, I only have a few more minutes to go into detail on this one, but and we'll probably end after that. Um, cross training. Uh, on the erg, skier, gyrdine, you want to think about cross-training to improve aerobic efficiency as you want to say to yourself, well, what are the main muscles that are involved in it? 
Um, and you do want to recognize that, yes, it, it will help overall systemic aerobic improvements. Okay, so even if I'm on a ski erg and I'm doing 30 minutes at a steady state, or I'm on the ski erg and I'm doing one minute hard, one minute off, times 10, and they're all repeatable in the same power, those are two different gears, and they're providing an aerobic support, right? So I'm doing steady state aerobic work for 30 minutes, which there's benefits to that. I'm doing, you know, higher tempo. Um, there's mechanical fatigue, right, that takes place that's different than running, right? So, I, so I'm still doing, quote-unquote, systemic aerobic improvements, but it's keeping me away from running. Now, the issue with this is that if you want to go running six hours later, you have to remember that your heart and cardiorespiratory system was still used for that event. So the question you have to ask yourself is, how resilient are you as a human in your diet and lifestyle and epigenetics that's going to allow you to recover from that ski erg event, right? That's the biggest question. And if someone can recover really good, meaning they pace really well in the ski erg and um, they have great resilience and they have a great base of support of aerobic manufacturing, then I think yes, which I, I know to be true too. I used to do that for uh, ultra endurance athletes when I was in Calgary. I had a, I had, I guess two handfuls or more than two handfuls of ultra endurance athletes um, beyond, let's say, 50K as a, as a marker for what they wanted to do over a period of a number of years. And I always, due to the winter as well, but I would always provo provide systemic aerobic support every second weekend by getting them to do rowing, um, flywheel bike, uh, ski erg, uh, body flow movements for 20 to 30 minutes, and then they would go um, snowshoe for six hours, right? And that was all back to back to back to back, but the but you could see the, the 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 manufacturing and the contractions are completely different than running for twelve hours, right? Or running and hiking and going up and downhill and running a fire road for twelve hours. But they still get some of that systemic effect of the aerobic improvements, right? And it also pulls them away from the exact volume dedicated to it. But I measure that back to my point. You got to measure that based upon how fast they recover between all aerobic events. Now, in a generalized terminology. The higher your aerobic system becomes, the higher it becomes in terms of like value and, and uh, the more aerobic it becomes, right? And the highest efficiency you become, you will recover faster between aerobic uh, opportunities. It's just simply, it's just simply um, adaptation and um, um, mitochondrial efficiency. There's a, there's a number of other things, and it may not only be those two, but it just happens, and observation-wise and empirically, I can tell you that's the case. Um, so you want to think about that. And, and the way that you would figure it out is to basically um, put an intervention in place. So keep your strength training the same. That I've, I've already answered a little bit. Keep your endurance training the same. Right, and place a small intervention of 30 minute ski erg, 30 minute flywheel bike, 30 minute rowing, all one time each per week over the week. And then after three weeks, see what your endurance potential is like for your sport of whatever endurance you're choosing, whether it be triathlon or, or running training. Because if you see an impact on your endurance training where you see you know, like better recovery, maybe better uh, recovery in tempo training. Uh, maybe you see an increased potential in race pace scenarios, then you probably are onto something. Or if you do that intervention, and after four weeks, you see that your long distance run uh, for a couple of hours at a certain pace, your heart rate raises a little bit for the, for the last hour, that's probably a very small indirect indication that it's probably tiring out your overall aerobic system, and you can't handle that increase in volume.
So then you would just go back to the starting board and maybe add 10 minutes of each of those things um, every day so that at the end of the week you have 50 minutes as opposed to 90 minutes that you started with the first week, if that made sense. And then you can improve that to 15 minutes per day and then 20 minutes per day. And you're now doing a linear you know, a linear approach to improvements in total overall, overall aerobic, you know, non-specific endurance training. And that will allow you to see how, what the kind of impact it has on uh, your endurance training. Okay. Um, are there obvious mo movements or focuses that an athlete or coach should consider? Um, yeah, I already discussed that, but um, you want to go back to look at the mechanics of the specific sport. For example, for triathlon, you know, as, as a complementary support from my experience in working with triathletes on that, um, triathletes need to have uh, scapular stability um, along with some uh, great awareness around uh, neck stability. And just due to the uh, neck um, extension position when they're on a bike, as well as the forward shoulders that happens on a bike and the tightened uh, anterior hip and the tightened ankle. Um, that's a very important consideration to make for the volume that people get into and the creep that can be manufactured around that. Um, obviously in the water with the amount of concentric internal rotation that happens around the shoulder. Now you have two sports, right? The, the, the hold position on the bike, as well as the swimming that gets that shoulder into an internally rotated position. Um, that's outside of what we would say normal human posture that may add up to be problems over time. So you have to work on the upper back more around motor control and, and keeping it stable, but also keeping the GH joint mobile, um, and I think you'll have, along with thoracic uh, extension exercises, and I think you'll do good, whatever you do in your flexibility or exercise training. Um, and then for running, you have to take into consideration what I mentioned before, which is um, um, endurance. Um, and also remember that the uh, foot landing position um, for a, let's call it most uh, triathletes, by the time they get there, they don't, ever don't, everyone doesn't look like Simon Whitfield by the time they get to uh, the, um, the run on a triathlon. Therefore you have to consider there's probably more heel strike or more heel to midfoot strike, which means that the quads really need to be taken care of. And now remember you just smoked them on the bike. So you have to be cautious of overtraining the quads and anything around the knee in your resistance training. And that's why I, I generally lend to supporting posterior chain or bending activities, um, because it certainly allows, you know, good force output on the bike. It allows great postural endurance. It makes people focus on thoracic extension and keeping the scap stable, etc. So if there was one beautiful movement that you want to get really good at for triathlon to answer your question in terms of what should you focus on, I'm just giving that as an example. Uh, the bending pattern or a deadlift pattern would be fantastic for that because of all those previous mentioned things. Um, and then that answers the question on that for endurance itself. You just got to, you just got to ask what are the movements, you know, and, um, and then last one here, um, more importantly, what is not essential? Um, well, everything else is not essential then. And the question was, was it, would a heavy squat snatch really make you a better runner given how technical and time consuming it is to practice? Uh, no, you, you answered that. It was really good. It's, uh, it's useless, honestly. Um, if you want to become a better runner, you need to run. If you want to become a better runner, lose weight. If you want to become a better runner, um, you know, get great shoes. If you want to become a better runner, vary your running profile and the land that you run on, you know, run on sand, run on, uh, lush, uh, run in the mountains, run on hard terrain, run on asphalt, run on a track, run on grass. Um, that would be better. Um, if you want to get better at running, learn a lot about running. Um, if you want to get better at running, um, you know, pray that your mama had good, uh, cells, 
um, if you want, you know, over and over. But you didn't see the so all the answers to get better at running. Snatch would come like uh, 135th on the list, right? It looks sexy, but it makes no sense for that for running. So, so um, I hope I answered some of the questions that were there, and I hope uh, some people got some benefit from that in how I how I put it in order for concurrent methods. Obviously, concurrent methods could probably be a podcast unto itself, um, but. Um, uh, maybe maybe you picked a few things from that as to how you're going to blend it. If there's more questions from it, don't hesitate to ask. Email me, james at opexfit.com. And uh, otherwise, uh, give us a like, whatever that means, and how you do it. I know you. I don't know how you guys do it, but maybe you can do it. Or uh, uh, tag me, at uh, jfitsopex, um, and take a picture of it and put it on your Instagram story. And uh, I'd uh, like to have a back and forth more so around this if people want to. Otherwise, take care.